Hey, welcome to the Michelle Mission, Two Men, One Podcast. Every black film ever made. My name is Len, a.k.a. the Bat Tribble. And as always, I'm joined by my partner. Hey, this is Vincent Williams. Tonight, ladies and gentlemen, we are reviewing in our encore to Black Music Month. An encore. Vince has selected that Lorenz Tate, Halle Berry, Lila Rashan, and... Vivica A. Fox in Why Do Fools Fall in Love? I don't know why I just drew a blank. I thought you were on on the dope. (laughs) I was actually over here shaking my head going, it's a damn shame that he's on the dope. I drew a blank. I drew a complete blank on Vivica. um, It's name. Anyway. Yes, Lorenz Tate co-starring with Vivica A. Fox, Halle Berry, Leila Rashan in Why Do Fools Fall in Love from 1998. That's what we're going to be reviewing tonight, ladies and gentlemen. But first, as always, we like to get into all of the feedback that we have received from yes, each yes, and every yes. one of you in regards to uh, the shows. We haven't had feedback for a couple of weeks, actually. We haven't, because I wasn't going to say anything. I know, are we letting people see how the sausage is made? Mm, or? We might as well. Because our... It'll explain it. Our last episode, we actually taped at the same time mm-hmm. as the previous episode. Right. So we, we did the Dave Chappelle block party episode the same evening we did This Is It. Right. So this is the first time that you and I have been in the studio together. Yeah, it's been weeks. a minute. Yeah. And uh and um and I've missed you, Vin. And I've also missed you, Lynn. Reunited and it feels so good. Um another person that's been reunited is George Kimona. Hey, what's up, George? Apparently they have taken the shackles off of his internet at his job. <laughs> Excellent. And he can once again listen to our show yeah. via SoundCloud. We'll be see we'll see George in a few weeks. We will be seeing yeah. George in a few weeks. Yeah, we'll looking forward to that. Talking about that in a little little bit. Yeah. Um on our most recent show, Dave Chappelle's Block Party, which we reviewed with blogger and podcaster Toya Haynes. Toya Haynes with the million dollar idea for the podcast. First time I heard um, which just had a new episode I saw. I saw. First time she heard Luther Vandross. I saw. Pretty cool episode. Um, Anyway George uh, again took to SoundCloud to leave his comments in time. All right. So let's. Real time. Real time. So let's go with George. Okay. In order. Uh, at 20 seconds. He's okay, a, 20 seconds in. Wow, 20 seconds in. Jesus. <laughs> uh, the graph, the graphics they throw up showing the connections he made were crazy. I have no idea what he's talking about. This is from Michael Jackson or from Dave Chappelle? Well, this was on the Dave Chappelle show. Okay. But 20 seconds in, I'm not sure what I he's talking about. I have no idea. What I, okay. Okay. Uh, uh, Seven minutes and 22 seconds in. Okay. Oh, the Quincy doc was also interesting to follow up with. Oh, okay. Is there a Quincy Jones documentary that I don't know about? Is I think there was. Like, was there a documentary around that back on the block mo- time? Like the Q, when the Q album came out, maybe I thought there was a documentary. There could have been, yeah, because he had been away for a little bit. Right, like there right. Been a little gap there. Right. I get confused because anytime Quincy Jones is talking, 
I stop everything and listen. So I've seen like interviews with him, and but I think there was, and even if there, but you know what? Even if there was a Quincy Jones documentary back then, it don't matter, right? Because nothing matters with Quincy Jones. There's Quincy Jones to Michael Jackson, and then everything else that happens in between to me is just window dressing till we get him to his um what was it rolling stone interview <laughs> yes. yes and that's the quincy jones that i want that's the to. quincy jones you want to hear <laughs> beatles weren't ish <laughs> i was about to say you, you ain't got no time for count basie you ain't got no time for nobody <laughs> man he's like yeah michael jackson stole everything i'm like <laughs> whoa, whoa. <laughs> quince quince mm. How that shave it takes. Oh. Anyway, George, George at 12 minutes and 44 seconds says, hey, the rebellion fails without Lando and the Ewoks. Okay. 13 minutes, 45 seconds. Her soft shoe is on point. Okay. Back to the Ewoks. I always like to point out that the Ewoks, the little cute furry creatures, were eating stormtroopers. They weren't eating stormtroopers. They Where were, were they clearly eating stormtroopers? about to eat? Okay, now the you're saying they're trooper. about to because they weren't. No, no, no. They did not eat. No, them. they didn't eat them on screen, but okay. they were about to cook the dude. Oh yeah, that's right. They had them on the pit. All right, and then they were going to eat them. I don't, think, I don't know if they're really going to eat. Them. How many times have you cooked something and then didn't eat it? Maybe they were cooking it for. They they were maybe they were cooking him, the stormtrooper. As a sacrifice to their to their pagan gods, Chewbacca. <laughs> In my mind, they were about to eat that stormtrooper, which is awesome. They probably were. Mm-hmm. Uh, Fifteen minutes and fifty-two seconds in. Okay, is Al B. Shore next? I think that's in regards to our conversation about uh, Keith Washington. <laughs> My wife couldn't believe we spent that much time talking about Keith Washington. <laughs> you know, I listened to the episode too. And I was like, wow, we, it's a lot of the show. Here's the thing. That is a complete falsehood. My wife completely believed that I spent that much time <laughs> talking about Keith Washington. And if you ask her, it was probably because of me. Because mm. that sounds completely like something I would have done. It was. Uh, 37 seconds. 37 minutes in, he says the force is strong in her. Yes, yes. Don't know what he's talking about. Uh, 42 minutes, 43 seconds in. So mad they're not on the soundtrack. Talking about the Fugees. Oh, yeah, yeah. Hey, just take what you can get. Um, one hour, eight minutes in. For real, I thought I knew about Kenny well done. Okay. Talking talking about um, Toya's show. Yes. And her second episode, which was about Kenny Loggins. That's right. That's right. Uh, and at one minute and 15, one hour and 15 minutes, uh, George says, yes, I'm back, or at least until my job shuts me down again. Okay. Well, glad to have you. Glad to have, uh, that you can have us the way that you want us. Exactly. Uh, George, we know that exactly. means a lot. Take no substitutes. But, except but, no substitutes. Yeah. Yeah. Don't. Uh, let's see. We also, I, we've got some other stuff that, 
So I want to go down to the exact where I posted the episode that we that we did. Uh, yes, Markham Lee. Hey, what's up, Markham? He had random ish after listening to the most recent episode. Okay, one. One. Markham's a man that likes a list. Hey, nothing wrong with the list. Keeps it orderly. When Toya said Binghamton, New York, my face went like this. And he makes a big oh face. Oh. Because Binghamton, New York is where my parents met at SUNY Binghamton. Oh, and okay. I have a sister that lives in Rochester. Nice. Number two, similar dad dropping bomb story. For my dad's birthday several years ago, we went to the Roseland in New York for a concert. I don't recall the sister's name, but she sings in Portuguese, and I believe she is from Cape Verde. Okay. Roseland is a bigger than the small, it's bigger than the small jazz venues my dad prefers. This feels like going to a rock concert. I haven't been to one since I saw the Beatles. (laughs) My stepmother, gas, me, gas and i don't even like the beatles and then my stepfather continued well it wasn't really a concert my favorite pub would have bands come in on the weekends i didn't realize it was them until later when they got famous because i wasn't really paying attention i wasn't there for music i went there to study and drink (laughs) that's fantastic So, yes, you read that right. One of the most influential rock bands ever. And my dad wasn't paying attention because they were interrupting his drinking and studying. All right. Well, the man had priorities. He had priorities. Don't knock your father. That's right. You know, I ain't mad at him. Uh, Juwan C. Blaylock. Hey, Juwan. Y'all talking about Keith Washington and Will Downing brought back (laughs) all those video soul memories. Now I know why those two songs, Kissing You and I Try, are connected to each other in my head. Great show. They were trying, they were having a smooth off. They were having a smooth off. Is that what they were doing? It was a smooth off. And I take it in your eyes, Will Downing won. Well, uh, he, he won by default because Keith Washington really only had like two songs. True. And one of them was a duet. Couldn't leave Keith Washington alone. He was spending too much time with one of the mustache. Not enough time in the studio. Uh, Van Everett. Hey, what's up, Van? He actually has a question for Toya. Okay. Was Lauren Hill on time for this play date? <laughs> oh, no. Or not? <laughs> to which Robert Monroe replied, <laughs> Lauren Hill probably showed up two years later, <laughs> played for 45 minutes, and bounced with an oh, attitude. Oh no. It's it's not funny because Lauren Hill can't show up to places on time. <laughs> That's really a shame. It really is a shame. It really is a shame. And and can I just say I feel sorry for like younger fans who never saw Lauren Hill. Yeah. Like I you know, like I said, I've seen her twice. Mm-hmm. So I would love to see Lauren Hill again. I, look, I'm gonna need like Jill Scott. Um, it's gonna be have to be a thick, oh, a Shirley thick, Chisholm, uh, lineup, right? And my mother to co-sign. Yeah, that Lauren Hill is gonna be there before I spent one plug nickel mm-hmm. to go see Lauren Hill somewhere. Yeah, well, like she literally has to be on stage, and then everybody swipes exactly with their credit card. Exactly, you know what I mean? 
Oh, and boy. matter of fact, she probably needs to be on stage and be three songs in before you swipe. Look, I don't even need her to perform anymore. I just, I just want the sister to record. Like, just write some music and record. Like, that's actually all I, all see, I want the thing from is, her. Mr. See, see, but be careful what you wish for, Vince, because she'll tell you, I've been recording. <laughs> Where have I been? <laughs> Where have I been? She's just sitting in the house playing some music. <laughs> like, she got like a little 808 in the corner mm-hmm. in her um drawer in the dining room. Yep. Yeah. All right, let's talk about something else because Lauren Hill makes me sad. <laughs> it makes you sad. I'm sorry, Vince. I'm very sorry. Uh, okay, we got an email from Matt Lambert. Hey, Matt. The subject is Juice from okay. 1992. What's up, guys? Not sure if you remember me. I'm the fool that decided to send you a short thesis on Soul Plane that you were kind <laughs> enough to read a few I weeks do ago. Remember that. Thanks for being cool enough not to pass it by. Not at all. Anyway, we love that kind of thing. I was listening to a recent episode where I believe Vince said that Tupac had an Oscar-worthy performance in Ernest Dickerson's Juice. My one issue with that movie has always been the last line where one of the guys in the crowd on the roof (laughs) goes up to Q after he drops Bishop and says, Yeah, you got the juice now, man. You got the juice now, man. It's it's a terrible, terrible line that... I'm not going to say it ruins a perfect movie, but it is very much a ding on a Rolls Royce. To me, Matt continues, this breaks one of my favorite rules of filmmaking, which is show, don't tell. Yeah. We know the significance of that moment. The movie is set up pretty well. While there is some filler in the movie, I feel like the narrative is strong enough where that last line is just uncalled for. It almost takes away from the strong performances of the movie for me. What do you think? Thanks for everything. Big fan of the show. Based on no evidence whatsoever, I think a studio exec made them add that line. Oh, you're very kind. I don't think Ernest Dickerson or and I don't know if Ernest Dickerson wrote the script or not to Juice, but I don't think anyone creatively involved with Juice had that line. That strikes me as somebody who wears a suit and has a producer credit. Uh, okay, I, I because it's as fondly as that movie is remembered mm-hmm. by all, including me. Yes, I do remember. That there are points along the way in the movie where the dialogue is like a little cringeworthy. Interesting. And I'm not sure at those times if it's the script or is it just the actor reading it. Realizing I don't think I've seen Juice from beginning to end in probably 10 years. Yeah. Yeah. I think if you watch it again, yes, that last line. Interesting. Oh, it hits your ears like if. Only you and I had some type of vehicle where you and I would watch a film and then get together and discuss our thoughts about that film. If only. If only. Uh, We heard from Townsend Price Spratlin. Hey, Townsend. Something about that name just sounds Townsend. That's... That just sounds strange, like a strange first name to you. Just sounds kind of Britishy. Suppose I thought maybe he was a young duke. We shall see. Hello, Len and Vince. 
You want me to read it like a dude? I'd rather you didn't. Okay. <laughs> no more voices from you, young man. You're still on probation from the New Zealand. From the New Zealand accents. Why, hello. <laughs> All right, all right. Okay. Um, Townsend continues. I have been a fan of your podcast since episode 20-something. Nice. Old school. um, Which I believe was Girl Girl 6. Okay. And I've been intending to write many times over. Okay. And then he writes and you make fun of his name. Nice. (laughs) I didn't make fun. I said it. Okay. Go ahead. Different. Continue. (laughs) And then I started to read his book. See? See? See, the goal is to keep missionaries, not create non-missionaries. But this is showing how, how much I actually appreciate How him. much you appreciate. Please continue. He's bringing great content. Yes. Um, your Octavia Butler dissertation story, Vince, priceless. Thank you. Len, how you have managed to maintain the podcast and yourself and sanity amidst your layers of recent grief for which you and those you love are in my thoughts and prayers. And thank you for honoring your brother's memory by sharing your moment of watching him when you were a child perched at the top of the stairs, when he did not know you were watching him before you closed the bedroom door. I am the youngest of five and I have several of those types of moments etched in my memory. You had me in tears with the care of your simple intimacies that we did not have the emotional literacies for at that age or sometimes not at any age. Right, thank you. Thank you, Townsend. Damn, that was... Okay. All right. All right. Oh, <laughs> we may have to take a break. Right, um, right, right. Mm. Uh, I have listened to your Best Man and Color Purple episodes more often than I probably should admit. Because I love, love when you have sisters on to share their insights. Hey. And those are two of my favorite movies for their qualities and limitations, which you and your guest hosts so thoughtfully capture. I could go on and on. But I write to share a note of thanks for your recent This Is It review. Oh, thank you. Age slash generation. And the meanings of menace in black masculinities are so vital to the R. Kelly slash Chris Brown versus Michael discussion, i.e. how race, sexuality, body size, color among the intersections inform the creepy factor and the enabling and other themes you addressed and the vital point you emphasize Michael's genius, just epic Genius. I remember running home every day from my West L.A. elementary school to listen to the Maybe Tomorrow album again and again. And his debut of Ben on American Bandstand a couple of years later, watching it live and remember exactly where I was standing in my college dorm room when he moonwalked on Motown 25 Mm. and so much more. Thank you for taking us. for taking all of us back to wherever the listeners went back to with the care and concern you two displayed in addressing both the genius and the toxicity of his alleged actions. 
W.E.B. Du Bois wrote of double consciousness, of course, regarding the navigation of white supremacy from within the souls of black folk. And Vince, for you to voice your spiritual dissidents regarding how you personally navigate Michael and his legacy was a valuable share, as that, too, is another place we are taken to because of the quality of what you two created on that episode and the joy you create for yourselves and all of us week after week. Thank you. As an aside, if you ever do Cooley High or Cornbread Earl and Me or Fame, the real one from 1980, not the Drek remake, <laughs> not sure you two consider that a black film, or the incomparable Sounder, mm. And you would like a guest host with too many thoughts running at once. Like so many other of your fans, I would gladly find a way to get to Philadelphia for the opportunity. Keep up the great, great work. Best to both of you. Townsend Price Spratlin, Associate Professor at Ohio State University Department of Sociology. Well, thank you, Townsend. Thank you very much. Thank, wow. thank you. That was a very thoughtful... It it was beautiful. Yeah. Uplifting. Yeah. Yeah. Um, wow. Yes. Yeah, th thank you. He, he, he got me with that one. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, <clears throat> Mo Poplar hit us up. Hey, what's up, Mo? About problematic people. Okay. Love the show as always. Bill Cosby, R. Kelly, <laughs> Michael Jackson, and others have given a lot to the culture. Yes. That doesn't give them a pass, but you can't erase who we are because of them. Bill Cosby put the first black cartoon on TV. Fat Albert, anyone? He forced Hollywood to hire black stuntmen. MJ has been a regular in the soundtrack of my life. R. Kelly is that for another generation with almost 30 years of the music he created and produced. Before the Beehive, Aaliyah fans were deep. These people are just like America, serving a meal we've enjoyed only to learn it wasn't made by clean hands. Mm. You got to eat. So what do you do? Damn, Mo, that was great. You do better. And you don't let imperfect be the reason you act trifling too. Is trifling a black word? Y yes. Yeah. <laughs> Nobody uses it like us. That's true. <laughs> If we bury these people, things don't change. Me Too has gained momentum because people realize they're not alone in their victimization. If we only venerate them, we become like those Southerners who venerate the Confederacy. We go on and on about what they did and bury the victims. There's another way, isn't there? Mo Poplar. Wow. Thank you. Thank you, Maurice. I love how thoughtful the missionaries are. You know what? Like, I like that we, I mean, you know, we're goofy. Yes. But I do like the thoughtfulness that people bring. Yeah. You know? It, it keeps us on our toes. It does now, doesn't it? It, it does. Um, but speaking of goofy, we heard from one Ryan Sands. Hey, what's up, Ryan? <laughs> Another one we'll see in a few weeks. Yes, we will be seeing from hearing from in a few weeks. Uh, what's up, guys? I hope you guys are well. 
I'm in Jersey now, desperately waiting on my furniture. Oh, I'm reading an old email. I was about to say. That's, that's I was like, whoa, easy. That's. I forgot. I forgot. We got like, ladies and gentlemen, we have like a running thing going with, with Ryan. So I had to remember. I was like, whoa, that's old. Uh, all right, here it is. Okay. Gentlemen, I hope this email finds you well. Things have been pretty busy since we began shooting um, because they're, I bis- believe they're in the midst of the Runaways season three. Yeah. Uh, so I fell behind on just about everything. A flight back to the East Coast for a few days turned out to be the perfect opportunity to have a little Michaud Mission Ben's session. Oh. So let me paint this picture for you right quick. I'm on the plane, minding my own business, listening to the pl- podcast, playing Angry Birds, drinking a little water, staying hydrated, doing what I do. Nice. Sounds like a good trip. Yeah, I'm just in trying to envision Ryan's giant hands playing Angry Birds. <laughs> um, I hate that I forgot exactly which episode I was listening to at the time. But the sound that Vince made at the mere mention of the name of the lovely and talented Anika Noni Rose. Oh, Lord have mercy. Caught me off guard. <laughs> And had me spitting water all on the ice pad, on the iPad. The lady next to me laughed and said, I don't know what you're listening to right now, but it must be pretty funny. I just agreed and started wiping off the ice, the iPad. I'm sorry about the iPad, but in my defense, we were talking about Anika Noni Rose. I don't even know what we were talking about, but clearly it was Anika Noni Rose. And clearly, that's enough of a reason. Mm, Lord, have mercy. Uh, Despite the fact that y'all got me out here embarrassing myself on airplanes, I had to let you guys know that I'm loving the show as always, and I can't wait to see you all in July. Yes. Ryan. Uh, That is great. And just to let you know, ladies and gentlemen, we will be seeing Ryan Sands on Saturday, July 13th. Star of you. Star of Marvel's The Runaways, which is available on Hulu. Yes, it is. Ryan Sands will be our very special guest on yes. Saturday, July thirteenth, yes. as the the Michelle Mission uh, does a live show at Blurred City Con at the St. Francis College in Brooklyn, New York, where we will review Men in Black. Men in Black. Now. The time, I believe, is 6 p.m. Yes. I believe it is 6 p.m. If you go to michellemission.com uh, slash events, you can find out more information about that. You'll, you'll see a link that'll take you there where you can find out tickets to Blurred City Con. We can't wait to sit down and bug out with uh, with Ryan. You know what? We've been, uh, we've sat down with Dorian like three or four times. Oh yeah, and Omar oh, yeah. a couple of times yeah. and stuff like that. Um, we've actually never met Ryan. We've never physically no. But we, I feel, I feel like we know him. Yeah, I feel like he's our dude. Yeah, you know, I'm like, yeah. like, yo, dude, Ryan, what's up, dog? Yeah. yeah, yeah, looking forward to it. I'm real, I'm really, yeah, looking forward, forward to, it. to it. That'll that'll be big fun, big fun. All right, uh, let's see. We have a couple other things. We, we've been away for. For a while, Vince. So I hope you don't indulge me. We were hit up on Twitter by Linkman73. Hey, what's up, Linkman73? Uh, who says, Great podcast, gents. Came across it searching for frantic situation on Spotify. I don't know how that gets you to the show mission. Hey, whatever gets you here. Whatever gets you there. Whatever gets you here. It's like Narnia. Sometimes you go in the <laughs> closet and sometimes you 
go like behind the building or something sometimes, you know, you do other things to get to Narnia. And then you age differently. And then, in case you haven't picked it up, the Narnia books freaked me out when I was little. Now, like I felt like the line, the witch in the wardrobe, that whole situation mm. need to be a little bit more stable than it was. See, I never read those books. I went straight to comic books. Okay. There's very few. If, if it wasn't like a book assigned in school, I didn't really. Read. Right, right. So I was not that greatly familiar with them. Mm-hmm. I think over the years I've learned about the stories tangentially, never really. Sure. The, full, the whole full sure, story. Sure, just sort of being part of the culture. Right. Now, from what I understand, though, HBO has a new series that's going to be coming out called Dark Materials. Right. That's a newer YA series. Like, I believe that's post-Harry Potter. Oh, see, I thought that actually was the whole Lion in the Wardrobe thing. I don't think so. I'm pretty sure that's a whole different So it's a whole nother situation. Another deal. Really? I don't know. I mean, you're probably right. I mean, like I say, I don't. I have. Yeah, that's Philip Pullman. Okay. Yeah, that's Philip Pullman. Uh, yeah, it was first uh, published in 95. Oh, okay. Yeah. All right. All right. Well, so, <laughs> just... it's a moot point then. <laughs> no, no, no. You're thinking about something completely different. I totally. I return to Linkman 73. Return to Linkman 73. He says, being geographically removed in Australia. Oh, okay. All right now. Uh, this movie seemed like another world from where I stood in 1985. Really enjoy your insights all these years later. Well, thank you. Thank you very much. Thank you. We appreciate that. Um, nice to know that we have fans over in Australia. Absolutely. You know? Missionaries. Missionaries, one and all. One and all. All over the place. Lance Hansen said. Hey, what's up, Lance? I love you guys. And we love you, Lance. So don't take this wrong. Uh-oh. But I really wish Mother May I Have Another could last all year <laughs> round. That's terrible, Lance. That is terrible that you would do this to us. Well, why is it terrible? Because Mother May I is hard, hard on my soul. <laughs> Mother May I is hard on my soul. It's kind of fun. Yeah. M. Jason Graham. Hey, what's up, M? I've been listening Jason. to you for a month. I love your work. I am now oh, going you. to the back to the first episodes and listening forward to catch up. This brings me to your episode on Tyler Perry's Why Did I Get Married? Oh, boy. I am a writer that has spent some time in Los Angeles, let's say Hollywood adjacent, okay. working with indie companies and story development. Nice. I've continued to do so since moving to Atlanta in 2012. Okay. Although I do have great respect for Tyler Perry as a businessman, I am now seeing evidence of a graduating class of writers that have been nurtured by his messaging. I am covering scripts where the characters are nonsensical. The black middle class is villainized and exceptional educated black women have husbands that leave them because they are more interested in their work than taking care of their man. This is a dangerous messaging that our young women see co-signed by their half a hotep's contemporaries in oh. social media. I don't want to censor anyone, but this has got to be stopped. All the opportunities that Tyler has created for the community in the last 15 years will be for naught if an entire generation of women 
dumbed themselves down to mirror the ridiculous caricatures uh, that he has made profitable on screen. To quote Jean-Luc Picard from the episode Chain of Command, her belly may be full, but her spirit shall be empty. Hmm. Yeah, 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 yeah. I think, I think there's a conversation that we're going to be having in the next 10 years or so. Mm-hmm. Although, you know, what I've always been interested in is the fact that no one has really successfully cracked the Tyler Perry formula besides Tyler Perry. Like, like we have, okay, we I have over you. a decade of Tyler Perry films at this point, mm-hmm. and certainly other filmmakers and other studios have tried to make Tyler Perry type films, mm-hmm. and they haven't succeeded. That's true. They, so, they haven't, they haven't um, broken through to the zeitgeist like his films, right? Have, so, in, in in a way, and so I guess in a way that is good. Also, right. I think that. Um, as more and more women are getting the opportunity to have their voices heard behind the camera, right? By either by way of either being the writers of things, or the or even more importantly, like the directors and producers right. of things, um, I think that 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 will counteract some of that. Right, and hopefully, the other messaging. One of the things that we missed because we weren't here is is talking about that great speech that Tyler Perry gave when he won the Icon Award. You know a what? I saw ago. I saw the I saw the beginning of the clip. Right. I actually never heard the, the speech. So right. what was so amazing about it? I think I think the important part was Tyler Perry talking about the importance of self reliance. Oh, and okay. and the and the pull quote that I've seen a million places that while people were in Hollywood and it was it you know it was a little dirty the way he said it you know talking about the Oscar so white movement but he said while people were in Hollywood basically begging for a place at the table I was in Atlanta building my own table mm-hmm. which I think maybe Markham pointed this out or, or Steve Tozen when we talked about it in the Facebook group even that's a little problematic when you think about how his studio has had issues with having um having workers who were in the union like unionized labor okay yeah. you know he's had unionized labor issues okay. with with his company but i think the sentiment still stands and it's 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 my number one number two and number three reason why at the end of the day i i i completely agree with with the last writers um view of the messaging in the films and certainly we have talked about the quality of those films mm-hmm. more than once right. on, on this show but at the end of the day I I like Tyler Perry for that example of self-determination yeah and there you are know? people that are certainly following the way and, and I hope and I think we already see proof of this that, that you see younger filmmakers you see younger creators that are building their own mm-hmm. and, and, and creating their own pathway so yeah I'm going to look on the, on the try and look on the bright side of a generation coming up being inspired by Perry's example well I think I think you don't 
if people feel maybe a little weird about following his example because yes he is a man that kind of like was self-reliant yes build up his own thing but then okay really what are you building because based on the product that he's putting out and some of the problems from behind the scenes then they can always champion somebody like Ava DuVernay who built up her studio uh array now which focuses on films by people of color and women Mm -hmm. um they she's their production house and also a distributor right. of those films, which is also very important as Absolutely. well. Absolutely, a self distributor of these of these um, incredible works. Um, so you can a- always champion her. You, you know, and we always go on about her work. You know, the documentaries and films she's doing for Netflix, Queen Sugar that she does for OWN, um, as well as. Um, Shonda Rhimes is is a woman who's built herself up, you know, to say what you may of her, some of her work. I think her work certainly has um, acquired a lot more acclaim than Tyler Perry's works. Right. You know, her TV works, um, whether it be um, Grey's Anatomy or How Do I Get Away With Murder? And I believe she, too, has signed a a deal with Netflix as well. Right. You know, um, so there are other examples out there for people to change. And and that is very much a a more foregrounded part of the conversation when these creators achieve a certain level of fame. Mm-hmm. You know their production deals, their 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 projects that they're writing and and supporting, and so on and so forth. So, so yeah, yeah. Oh, just one real quick, just one other person I just want to shout out. Because, okay, because I know that he is um, very progressive about the the way that he does his work, and that is the director Steve McQueen. Um, the oh yeah, behind, uh, oh yeah. Twelve years. Of, 12 Years a Slave. And Widows. And widow. oh, Widows. I was about to say, that was your jam. That's my jam. That was your jam. Man, yeah. Some Widows about to come out on, uh, I think it's about to hit Netflix. Yeah. Oh, oh yeah. Oh, God, I love the movie. So, yeah. So, I want to get, I want to show some love for uh, Steve, to Steve McQueen as well. Okay. All right. All right. Um, oh, all of you, ladies and gentlemen, you have been talking crazy for the last couple of weeks in the Facebook group. I, and I want to let you know if we haven't gotten to everything that you've you've posted there we thank you one and all we Absolutely. also want to welcome recent new members to the facebook group chad serta craig wooten bobby owens marcus jones joyce uh famakenwa don miskel and michelle diggs oh that's my sister Michelle? Michelle Diggs. Yeah. Michelle William Diggs. Michelle Williams Diggs. That's really that's your sister? That is actually my sister. Oh wow. My first friend. Oh. I know. Three years younger than me. Uh, oh I know. that's so adorable. I know. Don't you like that? Oh. Well, hi, Michelle. Yes. And we were having a wonderful time, and then eighteen months later, my brother showed up. And it was three of us. <laughs> I joke. <laughs> no, he ain't. <laughs> All right, ladies and gentlemen. Um, 
Thank you, one and all. Yes, but, uh, absolutely. Uh, we, absolutely. We got to get some work done. Yeah, 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 yeah. Let's get into this. Let's, let's do this. Let's get into our review of Why Do Fools Fall in Love? We'll be right back with our movie review after we step to these messages. of his millions. Am I to understand that there are three women claiming to be the widow of Frank Joseph Lyman, deceased? They'll have to prove who married him first. This is Frankie and Elizabeth's marriage license in 1964. I married Frank. 1965. Frankie and I were married. 1967 in Augusta, Georgia. And loved him most. Frankie just needed something different all the time. I don't know why I do stuff like but you never told nobody that you love them? People say it all the time. She comes back in empty words. I think Frankie was like that broken record. Amen. I got a life, Frankie, and it ain't gonna include you. Now you got to go. Get out. You know who I am? I know who you were. Warner Brothers presents Halle Berry, Vivica A. Fox, Lila Rashan. Little Richard and Lorenz Tate as Frankie Lyman. Are you crazy? I will put my foot so far For every moment, your heart skips a beat. <laughs> For all the times you take a chance. For every time a stranger becomes part of your life. Why don't we walk out of here, friends? Comes a movie that wonders. Baby, you a one fine thing. <laughs> Why do fools fall in love? Ouch! You want me to get you some ice? Why Do Fools Fall in Love, a 1998 American romantic drama film directed by Gregory Nava, released by Warner Brothers, a biographical film about R&B rock and roll singer Frankie Lyman, lead singer of the pioneering rock and roll group Frankie Lyman and the Teenagers. Written by Tina Andrews, Why Do Fall in Love stars Halle Berry, Vivica A. Fox, Layla Rashan, and Lorenz Tate who betrays Frankie Lyman. Little Richard also appears in this film as himself. Uh, Michelle Mission favorite Miguel Nunez plays a young Little Richard. Wouldn't it be funny if Little Richard had played somebody else? Like if Little Richard had played like the bailiff? (laughs) Order in the court, y'all. All right. The film revolves around three women. I just thought it was funny. You said Little Richard played himself. 
And it's like, who else would Little Richard have played? That's true. Like, <laughs> Little Richard as the doctor. <laughs> Little Richard as the mailman. True detective with Little Richard. <laughs> with Little Richard. It's like, well, who else yeah, is Little Richard? Yeah, like, Little you know? Richard, he's kind of boxed in. Right, it's like Little Richard as himself. It's like if you kind of took Shaquille O'Neal and expected me to believe that he was a soldier and a scientist. See, that's not <laughs> fair. That's not nice, Vince. That's not nice. I'm sorry. <laughs> that's not nice. So you're giving Lance a little bit of Mother May I. <laughs> yeah. I see what you're doing. That was for you, Lance. That was for you, Lance. Yes, so, yes. Go ahead. Why do fools fall in love revolves around three women, each who claim to be the widow of the 1950s doo-wop singer Frankie Lyman, claiming legal rights to his estate. This 1998 film was Vince's choice for an encore for Black Music Month here on the Michelle Mission. Vince, what say you of why do fools fall in love? I like this movie mm-hmm. a lot. And I like it f- from a bunch of different angles. Mm-hmm. First and foremost, for me, and I'm going to go out on, on a limb and say for you and for a lot of people who are listening and people who just like movies, even by 1998, we had all seen a fair amount of music biographies. That's true. Or showbiz biographies. So that even by 1998, and certainly as we're talking right now about a film, if you just sort of watched it on cable or watched it on on demand, Mm -hmm. we all know the beats of the musical biography. You have the, the background, you have the rise to fame. Mm-hmm. You have the breakthrough. Yeah, you the have fall from you have the complication. Usually, drugs, women, some type of interpersonal thing in a group. Mm-hmm. You have the nadir and that fall from grace, and then the film ends on some type of note of redemption. Yes, usually at a cookout. Usually at a cookout, so on and so forth. So one of the things that I like about this film immediately was the decision to frame Frankie Lyman's story around his relationship to these three women. Mm-hmm. Not to give them too much credit, the, 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 the screenwriter, you know, Tina Andrews and, and the creators, because this is a true story. Yep. This is like this actually happened yep. with Frankie Lyman and these women who all swore they were married to Frankie Lyman and this with the rights. All of this was true. But I thought it was a great move breaking the narrative into these separate spots. Mm-hmm. I think the story itself is a great story. This is a really interesting story about again these three women and their relationship to this man i like the direction uh when you look at the career of richard uh, i'm sorry gregory nava he's he's a solid director yeah you, you know he directed uh i believe selena selena that's selena, his other real that's big his other fame. really big claim to fame but it's nice solid direction i think he does a great job capturing the energy 
of Lyman's performances. Mm-hmm. I think one of the great challenges of a, a music biography is trying to get across to the audience what makes this performer special. Mm-hmm. And I think Nava does that in the performances. The script, it's a solid script. I think one of the things that I really enjoy about the film was the tonality shifts. This is a film that is almost two separate films, and then the two separate films have parts. There is a part of the film that is set in the past, because each of the three wives tells their stories yeah. of their lives with Frankie, Frankie Lyman. And then there is the story set in the present during this court case. In the past, pretty straightforward. He has this great love affair with with Haley Berry's character. Zola Taylor. Who was Zola Taylor, who was the one female member of the Platters. He has a... Tumultuous, I think, is a good word for his relationship with Vivica Fox's character, Elizabeth Waters. And then finally, Amir Eagle, played by Layla Rashawn, he has this quiet life, if mm-hmm. you will, before things take a turn. And I think on their own, just each of those vignettes work. Mm-hmm. Acting wise, Layla Rashawn really. <clears throat> has the least amount to do. She's the third wife. She comes at the end of the movie. Yes. It's it's the most quiet story. What I really like about it is that when we think about Layla Rashawn, or at least when I think about Layla Rashawn, I think about her as Sunshine in Harlem Nights. Yep. I think about her as the Hammer Toes lady. In Boomerang. In Boomerang. And then she is one of the women in Waiting to Exhale. Yes. But she's the sexy, vivacious one. Right. So in a lot of ways, this plays against type yes. for her. Yes. And I like that because I like Layla Rashawn. Mm-hmm. And I, I've always felt like there was more to Layla Rashawn than just this pretty face. Mm-hmm. And you get this nice, quiet performance from her. And, and it's talking about tonalities she really does have the most consistent one mm-hmm. from the past to the, the present. Vivica Fox, I'm now officially ready to give Vivica Fox the Vince Williams Jada Pinkett Award for the actress that I keep saying I'm not a fan of Vivica Fox, but then we keep doing movies where I really like Vivica Fox. <laughs> Vivica Fox is a hoot mm-hmm. in this film, and she is having a ball yes as uh, as his second wife elizabeth who is let's just say rough around the edges okay she is rough around the edges and she meets frankie lyman at a point in his life where he is going through some challenges Mm -hmm. and the two of they i think they have great chemistry i think there's also in the past you get this real vein of sadness mm-hmm. as she's trying to to deal with being in love with this man who is a drug addict. And then in the current scenes, she is just having a ball. Yeah. From the almost the very first scene where they show the interview with her and the little subtitle is says Petty she, Thief. She's a petty thief. Yes. That's <laughs> her role. Lorenz Tate. 
pitch perfect in this role. Pitch perfect in this role. Mm -hmm. You completely believe him as Frankie Lyman. Yes. In the performances, his moves. Physically, Lorenz Tate is not a big man. Right. So he has the physicality. Yes. Where he is dancing and moving and he has the smile and the charisma mm -hmm. and you completely understand how all three of these women fall for this man and for my money Haley Berry is golden in this move she is app so this is I was thinking about it as I was getting ready to come I think this might be my absolute favorite performance from her oh wow Again, each of these women have a flashback sequence, and then they have the current sequence. Mm -hmm. As we said, she plays Zola Taylor, who was the female member of the Platters, one of this really early R&B groups in the 50s. And like a lot of early R&B, they are finished and polished and poised. Yes. And this is 1998 Haley Berry. So she is drop dead, otherworldly gorgeous okay. when she is in the past and she has on these beautiful gowns mm -hmm. and you can see she's channeling some of her beauty pageant past because she is poised and, and all of it in the past. But man, when you get to the present day and they put half an inch of prosthetics on her, <laughs> That damn Halle Berry made me laugh out loud throughout this film. She is so funny mm -hmm. as this pissed off woman. Yes. And I wish I could come up with a time machine so I could go back and do whatever I have to do. There was such a missed opportunity. Vivica Fox and Halle Berry should have been a comedy team. They should have done more work together. Because they, bouncing off each other, yes. are fantastic. And we have talked about this before. Uh, we, we actually haven't... We, this is our first proper comedy with Halle Berry. Yeah, because they haven't really done her. Right, you know, yet. she's in Boomerang for a minute, but she doesn't really get she's a not lot. The, she's not the comedy in it. Man... I love her in this movie so much. Mm -hmm. I really do. And ultimately, I just think this is a really nice, solid package for a movie. Could you quibble? Absolutely. Little Richard, look. I have a soft spot for Little Richard. I admit really? that. Just I have a soft spot for Little Richard, so Little Richard can frankly... Do no like he gets a free pass from me. Okay. So little Richard, he cuts up in here and he does his little Richard stuff. And I think arguably he breaks the spell of the film. Mm -hmm. Like he's a step too far in mm -hmm. the farce mm -hmm. of the modern scenes. Doesn't bother me. I think Frankie Lyman's story is actually a fascinating story. That with another project could have paid more attention to those fascinating aspects. Mm -hmm. I love the fact 
that they don't shy away from the fact that that Morris Levy, the owner of the record company, basically was stealing money from him. Yeah. And Morris Levy, through this character's mouth, says this is something that went on all the time. This whole notion of 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 stealing songwriting rights by putting your name in there and all of the publishing. And I think that is a story that is worth telling. You look at Frankie Lyman and even, even Lorenz Tate's performance as Frankie Lyman. Between Frankie Lyman and Jackie Wilson... Okay. You see the DNA of of so much of R&B through Michael Jackson, through the Prince, through the, all of these performances. And I think there is a project that examines Frankie Lyman and the teenagers from that perspective mm-hmm. as the sort of architects, to, to quote Little Richard, of modern soul music. Mm-hmm. This is not that project. No. So if you're going into this film looking for that... I can see how you would be disappointed. But all of that aside, I really, really like this movie. You you talk about, like, you know, this is not the project for that kind of focus on Frank and Lyman's career and his importance to rock and roll. Right. And the creation of the the modern music aesthetic as he as we even now know it. And this is not the movie for that. Um, to its credit, this film was never advertised as that. Right. This movie was advertised primarily as a comedy that had a that but that was based on a true story. And to a degree about the tragedy that Frankie Lyman's life winds up being, because we're talking about a, um, a man who, you know, not to give it away, but to give it away slightly, you know, when he dies in 1968, he's in his 20s. You know, um, you talk about how these yeah. these women were attracted to this man these women were attracted to a boy frankie lyman and the teenagers he was he frankie they were teenagers he was one of the youngest he was like maybe about 14 15 yeah when he hits you know when zola taylor sees him with the platters it's maybe a year later so maybe he's 15 16 she's four years older than her than him so she's 19 20 years old you flip you flip the genders you've got a problem okay you know what i mean so technically you probably still have a problem but it's the 50s it's hollywood it's another time it's of its time things like that go down you know we've joked on here about jerry lee lewis and right, right. and some other performers who had questionable relationships around the, in around in around the same time um so that to me is something that I I struggled with a little bit just knowing that in my head that like you know these were like this is still like very much like a boy slash young man that these women are falling for okay you know what I mean um Elizabeth character, the Vivica A. Fox character, 
you kind of see it because she's, you know, she's rough around the edges, like you say. <laughs> um, but you understand her maybe falling for him because when she fall, when she meets him, not only does he rescue her from being arrested at a, a department store, but then he takes her to the club and basically she is like this civilian who sees this superstar on stage where he's performing. So she's just starstruck, you know? So I understand that. Zola Taylor is one of the platters who are if not, the number one recording act at the time when she uh, meets Frankie Lyman with the teenagers, right? She, her status is such where like, yeah, you're a cute little boy, but right, right. you're still a boy. Right. You know what I mean? So I struggled with that a little bit, but that's me getting in my head about the times and <laughs> right. the reality of it and everything like that. So when I take my hat off, you know, that, that my brain off a little bit and just sit and just watch what's in front of me. This is just a really fun movie. Mm-hmm. And the first thing that I um, enjoy about this movie, like you said, you know, we've seen the 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 musical biographies by now. We've seen biographies by now. Right. And not only do they all have certain tent poles that they've got to touch on, including where the producer is stealing money. Um, and they, and, and this movie has a lot of those as well. A lot of those movies have the same beats at, at the same times. They start from the beginning. They work their way to the end or something like that. This movie, I enjoyed it because it doesn't, the storytelling is like in the present. And then it, doesn't immediately cut back to a flashback. It stays in the present for a little bit. It mm-hmm. sets up what's going to happen. And then the 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 flashbacks are by way of these people in this courtroom giving off their testimony. And even then that keeps cutting back and forth to real time as people have problems with what they're saying. Like that ain't how that get the heck out of here. Do you know that I was not coming off like I'm like, but I just love that whole back and forth with it. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I thought that was just str- I thought that was just a very strong choice to use in telling this story. Because then sometimes within the flashbacks there would be a flashback to a younger time. Right. You know what I mean? So they didn't they they didn't necessarily flash back all the way back. We didn't see Frankie Lyman, you know, uh, as a baby, you know, doing a split. No, you saw him the first time you see him. He's basically already with the teenagers. I say we don't see the teenagers meet. No, you don't. You only learn their backstory as the film goes along, which right. I love. It was like filling you in, answering those questions along the way, you know, um, holding your hand. And letting the the audience know, trust us, we're going to fill you on the way. Just come with us. Right. Just come with us on this journey. And I and I I like that respect for the audience's intelligence. So that so bravo to the to Tina Andrews, the writer, and to George Nava, the director. Mm-hmm. Um, and then they're asking you to trust the performances in Lorenz Tate. They have gold because you have one of the few actors who can play 15 and then still play 25 years old. 
I think he's an immortal monster that, like, quietly, I think we all need to talk about Lorenz Tate, and we might have to do something about this. I do, too, because I swear Lorenz if like, if you were to tell me today, today, 2019, that Lorenz Tate was cast in the Gary Coleman movie, I would believe it. Yeah. Because he, the man never ages. Yeah. He never ages. At some point, we're going to have to address that as a community. We will. Yeah. You know, he could be Blackula. Um, that's what I'm saying. <laughs> um, so so you have that. So you're blessed with that from the man's look. But then you're also blessed that the man does have tons of charisma. Right. That just oozes out of him. And unlike a lot of black actors, especially in and of this time in the in the mid 90s, early 2000s, he is a black actor that has. The charm, the look, the charisma, and the talent. Mm. The man is a good actor. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? You 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 feel what he's doing on, on the screen. If it calls for him to be funny, he's funny. If it calls for him to be dramatic, he's dramatic. If it calls for him to be a little, you know, sexy and playful, he does that. He's everything you want. He is Frankie Lyman brought to life on screen. And you believe you believe he's Frankie Lyman, so you so they've got that going for him. Then you have Vivica A. Fox cast in a role that is like perfect for Vivica A. Fox, <laughs> you know. Because let's put it out there: I like Vivica A. Fox, the the actor at this time. There's a point where she kind of to me goes off the rails along in her career but at this time this is prime Vivica A. Fox and she's having a ball she never was somebody who whether or not she was asked to do it or sought to do it stretched a whole lot in the roles that she played but in the roles that she was given she worked it and this one she's asked to be funny um tough tough you know, a, a a a little a little mischievous, and she pulls it off. <laughs> Matt, she and you're right. The one thing, the, the one thing that like just bleeds off the screen every time she's on there. She's having a good time. <laughs> she is having so much fun. This is a good gig. She's like, oh my god, this is fun. What, what do you mean the movie's over? No, no, no. Why the fools love, fall in love with the TV series? I'm right. ready. What? Right, right. Take one. Action. <laughs> she is having a ball. She could have played this character forever, <laughs> forever, man. She was having so much fun. Also, Halle Berry. Having a great time. How many times have we said, God, this is a person that needs, you wish that in this time period, she's doing more comedies. You know what I mean? And, and, you know, you can't knock her. She's a gorgeous woman. And a lot of times she's being played on, you know, she's being cast for her looks. Right. You know what I mean? And, you know, get that check, girl. Nobody's knocking you for it. Nobody's knocking you for it at all. Especially when you can then at least still do roles like this where you can have a little fun. Right. You know, this is, to her at this time, this is a small movie. I know, right? You know what I mean? Um, 
But she's she's having she's having a ball wearing the wigs. She gets to do a little slapstick running around in the oh heels around the pool and God. stuff like that, man. She's having a ball. I re- I really enjoyed watching Halle Berry in in this film. Um, again, another person having fun. Layla Rashawn, totally against type, totally against type. Um, I think I think she's. I think she dials it back maybe a little bit too much mm-hmm. um, in the present day scenes, uh, but it still works. It's, it, it still works. I'm still having fun. You know, it's still, it's her giving an opportunity to show another side of her skill, mm-hmm. you know, another side of her, of her personality on screen. Um, so, you know, I'm with that. Another person who, I love just seeing doing something different was Clinton Powell. Is it Cl- Clinton? Clifton Powell. Clifton Powell. How about that? Because Clifton Powell, who has a face for menacing. Yes. So he, so why he's always cast as the villain in most of his roles, it makes sense. Yeah. But I love seeing him as a very intelligent lawyer. Yeah. I for some reason I could I like I wanted more of him right, I, right. I, I I love Clifton Powell as a and as the an only actor. black lawyer. Yes, and because the only the, black... you know two of them have white lawyers and yeah. Yeah. And um and, and I and he's and he, he's the only black I also like that he's the only black only black lawyer, but he's the black lawyer for the one who probably had money on a, of her own right because he was zola taylor that's right platter's lawyer that's right so i like that as well um but i love him as an actor and i love it and even though he's not asked to do a lot in this movie i'm just like love to see him do other things yeah anytime yeah. i get to see him do other things i'm like yo I'm, it's a winner win absolutely for me, you know so that was a win for me yeah you know oh, what yeah. i mean um and what I also liked is that this movie, like you pointed out, plays with tone. It's a comedy, and it's funny, but it doesn't shy away too much from the pathos and tragedy of Frankie's life. Right. Because <clears throat> the movie is primarily told from the women's point of view so it's their lens you don't necessarily see frankie's tragedy depicted on screen as much as as you just see the evidence i was about to say you see the results of it you're right yeah um so so you have to appreciate that but even in doing that there's still some very powerful moments when he gets chased back into his house with elizabeth yeah it gets beat down. That is a terrifying sc- scene, man. That yeah. is very, very terrifying. Yeah. Um. It, it. But that scene is preceded by a scene where he's screaming at Elizabeth because he yeah. wants to get a fix, and you're feeling all types of tension in that in that scene because we've seen this on screen before, right? And this never ends well because it almost always ends with a backhand to the woman. Right, right. You know what I mean? And I and I don't know whether or not it was true that whether or not he did lay hands on her. I never I didn't read any evidence of him being physically right. abusive. Right. Um but just but just the danger and the intensity of that scene shows you that, you know, 
there there are other forms of abuse besides physical. And what's great about that moment in this film and with Lorenz Tate is that you've spent at that point an hour plus with this charming mm-hmm. Frankie Lyman played by Lorenz Tate. And there is the, the like you said, the menace of that moment. And you remember, oh, right. Lorenz Tate is old dog. Yeah. Like this is the same actor that played old dog. Mm-hmm. So he has it in him. Yep. And it comes out. I and agree. It, and it, it, it brings it out. Um, it, uh, the other thing is that that scene, that scene signals like that we are past the apex of Frankie Lyman, the star. Right. And everything else is just this slow fall from grace. He doesn't know it. Sure. But it's that slow fall from grace um, that is really the tragedy of it is that, you know, you always talk about, you always see the movies where, you know, the guy is the the performer or the star is tearing themselves apart. Mm -hmm. And you see how it's affecting the family, but you're really following his story. But here you're following the women's story and you're following, you're watching how it really rips them apart. You know, um, how, and it also shows just how um, um, you know, how vulnerable it is for black women to want to be, I want to say savior, but it's not the savior, but you want to be there for your man. You want right. to believe in your man. Right. You know what I mean? Right. And you want to, and, and therefore you want to ride or die with him. Yeah. Even though in the back of your head, you know better. Zola Taylor of the Platters knows this is not a good move when she gets back with Frankie Lyman. Right. And invites her, invites him into her home. Right. In LA. She knows, you can tell she knows this is not smart. Right. And I think the thing I like is that Nola and Elizabeth have slightly different angles to that. I think the film makes clear from the very first scene with the two two of them together that Nola is in awe of his talent. Yes. Like she really is just in awe. Zola is just in awe of this talent and it causes this blind spot with her. Mm-hmm. Where, as you said, she she knows these are bad ideas, mm-hmm. and when they do find when they get together the, the the final time, another great scene between these two actors where 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 Noel actually cries a little bit, and she says, "You know, I wanted to pretend that I didn't want you, yeah, but you're all I've ever wanted." Yeah. And there's a through line to that very first performance where she watches him from the side, mm-hmm. and Elizabeth, you get the sense that she just thinks this is what love should be. Right. Because from the from the very beginning, he saves her from getting arrested. 
So they've already established this, this again, rough and tumble, rocky relationship. And frankly, Elmira and his relationship is pretty straightforward. Like, like she really does get him during this Oasis moment. I, I think the film does a, a fair job with a couple of moments where she says he would go to a place that I couldn't reach. Mm. And yeah. and Lorenz Tate yeah. is a good enough actor that you can read on his face that he this is not his life mm-hmm. like this this sort of black Norman Rockwell which shout out to the cinematographer and the set design and the costuming because the sections with Elmira are fantastic in yes. how sort of almost magazine perfect they look. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And as you mentioned, the film lets you know periodically that these are all to a certain degree unreliable narrators. Right. So that by the time Elmira is painting this picture of him and he's in the garden and they're wearing (laughs) these perfectly matched outfits and they're doing the gardening, this is her recounting this ideal yeah. that she has created. And in case you didn't know, Zola and Elizabeth both yelling about Frankie Lyman ain't never know nothing about no hammer. <laughs> Let's you know that maybe you shouldn't trust exactly what you see. But yeah, it's, it's like I said, I think it's a really neat, solid movie. It is. It is. Well, actually the, the one thing I was left with it, and you, we talk about music biographies, right? You know, we've covered, a, we've done a few here. You know? We have. Um, and the one of the things that I, I really appreciated is that taking the different storytelling methods that this movie does allowed the the tonality shifts to ring true mm-hmm. to the movie. Yeah. And with the tonality shifts, sometimes you had shifts in the way that, you know, scenes were filmed. So, you know, you got some 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 grainy shots, especially I, I love like the flashbacks within the flashbacks were almost like grainy archival footage of him right. as like a little kid. Right. You know what I mean? Uh, and then sometimes the film would slip into black and white especially when he goes off at the end with like the the pusher dude right you know and he go they walk off into like this like the the cloud from the subway transom you know um uh and you wanted to shout out the cinematographer who was edward lockman yeah uh so he does uh yeoman work yeah absolutely on this movie uh uh i i liked i like i like that the tonal shifts don't they're not abrupt, no, and they feel natural, right? With the, the it, it, along with where the story is taking. I was you. about to say they reflect the story, yeah. So, so I, I, I really appreciated that, as opposed to some other films. And the one that kept coming to my mind watching this was, even though it's fictional, the Five Heartbeats, and the Five Heartbeats, the Five Heartbeats always went for melodrama. Right. This just goes 
for it's a story and lets the story the, the drama of the story take you wherever it's going right. to take you and I think that's uh, indicative of a stronger directing and writing hand but on this film uh, uh, again because we ain't be talking about so bad about the five heartbeats I know you love the five heartbeats in Robert Townsend's defense mm-hmm. this story like the, the actual story of Frankie Lyman is it, is almost written for the screen yeah, but so there's so much of the Frankie Lyman story that was there when the writers came to it. Yeah, okay. Like this is a banana story. Okay, but you know, you're speaking in Robert Townsend's defense. I'll speak a little bit counter I'll counter that with if we accept that the five heartbeats, while fictional, mm-hmm. is greatly inspired by all of these different groups, groups. And, right and surely uh, certainly when he was talking to the um dells right about yeah it, 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 um if we accept that then there is just as much of a story written for the screen there okay. as well yeah i just don't think he handle he doesn't handle it as deftly as it is done in why do fools fall in love which um, begs the question to me why do you think that this film is not as beloved right, or as well thought of as such films uh, like The Five Heartbeats or even um, What's Love Got I mean, to Do With It? What's Love Got to Do With It? Ray? Yeah. Uh, I mean even Lady Sings the Blues mm-hmm. frankly when you talk about films that people think about off the top of their head. And I think this movie is is as a, good or as good better or than better everything than I just listened. Yeah. Yeah. I think I think you and I appreciate the comedy. And when you read the description of it, and I'm assuming you were reading the description, you said it was a romantic history. The the word comedy was not in which you read. No, it's not. So I think that threw some people. Mm. I think the 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 storytelling through some people frankly like like it's not a straightforward film it really is this where 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 the yeah. his, his career part his, the 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 career part of his biography is a bit oblique yeah like it's 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 almost a, a side detail yeah and there is they do play a little rashomon with some of the storytelling as and, well and i think but I think Rashomon is a great way to describe it, which is is to this day a challenging film. Yeah. I yeah. think many of us as an audience, when we go into a movie, we want to tr- – it's a suspension of disbelief. Mm-hmm. Tell me this story. Tell me the beginning. Tell me the middle and the end. And you don't get that with this. So I think that's part of the reason it kind of got lost in the shuffle, and then frankly, Frankie Lyman is just not true. A sexy figure, no, he's in not. popular culture, he's not, he's and not, not sexy as in sex appeal, but sexy as in we are drawn to his story. Mm-hmm. So, all of that together, I, I completely understand how this. And, and I have to say, I always forget about it. Yeah, like this film came. You know, I I I, I chose this film because during. Black History Month, Black Music Month, I was flipping the channel and saw it. 
on, you know, the middle of it. And I remember watching it going, I really like this movie. Mm-hmm. And said, well, if only I had a podcast where we talk about <laughs> movies. <laughs> so, but I think that's why. Yeah, I guess that. I guess, I mean, and it's a shame. It is. It's very much a shame. It's um because I think it is a, a an excellent movie. Yeah. I enjoyed it. I, yeah, I I enjoyed and and this is a movie that I haven't seen in for like ever. Of course not. I haven't seen it in ever, man. And um, but to to be sitting here and and checking it out, um, I I enjoyed just going back to it. Yeah, yeah. Now, are we wrapping up the movie part? Sure. Can I music nerd out for like three minutes? Please do. Frankie Lyman's story is absolutely fascinating. Oh, yeah. This is an absolutely fascinating story from so many different angles. Mm -hmm. We talked a little bit about the detail that runs throughout about Morris Levy, who was the owner of Roulette Records, and how he put his name on the record as one of the songwriters. As they were wont to do. You see this all throughout the early history of rock and roll. And I think what is amazingly egregious about this is that Frankie Lyman's estate eventually sues him Mm -hmm. about this. And Levy's entire defense is not, oh, well, I did write it. The entire defense rests on the statute of limitations. So I believe that right now in the year of our Lord, 2019, that if you purchase Why Do Fools Fall in Love, his name is still on there. Yes, yes, he, his name is still on there along with Frankie Lyman. Because basically they say the time ran out. And this aspect of the music business is one that is endlessly fascinating. Regardless of race, once you put race into it, it adds this whole different wrinkle. I think race in early rock and roll is a subject that never gets enough press. And and, and the thing about Frankie Lyman, I think when we do talk about black people in early rock and roll, we, and we've talked about this before with Chess Records, mm-hmm. I, I think we approach it from the angle of the Chuck Berry, the little Richard, Richard the um, Big Mama, oh, I just forgot Big Mama, um, which my face is name, who actually wrote Hound Dog. Oh, I, I can't remember. I know who you're talking about, though. Where these white performers come in and basically steal the music and do covers, and we talk about that part of it. Or we talk about what what I mentioned about the platters, where as a black performer, you had to be so polished. Yes, you did. Frankie Lyman, you get this, and I don't know who else was in this space where you had this black early rock and roll star mm-hmm. who was a teen idol. So they show a moment of it in the movie where he was on one of these shows and a white girl jumps on stage and dances with him. Yeah. And that caused this huge 
controversy. The show never aired. The show never aired, and there's no footage of it. Nope. They said, burn it. They destroyed all the footage. But Frankie Lyman, you know, maybe Chuck Berry is in this this very unique space. Yeah, because you're talking about the mid-50s. Right, right. Yeah. The, the yeah. mid to late 50s of 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 black male sexuality and, and crossover audiences and this, that, and the other, and how little Richard really played the the, the sexually ambiguous role. Mm-hmm. Speaking of Little Richard and Architects, it's worth saying once again, I think you talk about the Motown style. We were just talking about Michael Jackson last week. I mentioned Prince. I think, I mean, hell, D'Angelo, Maxwell, you, you, think of, uh, you think of your favorite sexy black male singer who has a stage presence, mm-hmm. Jackie Wilson, yeah, Frankie Lyman. It's all right there. Do you think? See that? That's okay. Watching uh, Frankie Lyman, and you watch like there's a nice little piece of him right at the end of the film, like actual right, right. footage. And he's really Frankie. young in that footage. But, well, he was young. His 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 heyday was young. I mean, but I mean, the guy died twenty five. Right. But I think the difference between thirteen and like you were talking about Zola taking advantage of him at sixteen, which mm-hmm. is fair. But physically, there is a difference between a thirteen year old and a sixteen seventeen year old. Okay, fair enough. Um, but my thing was as. Great as he seemed to be as a dancer, you know, right. 13, 13, 15 year old. And just a stage presence. It's, it's, yeah. His presence and everything yeah. like that, right? Um, do, do you think, was he really that instrumental in the rise of rock and roll, considering that he is following Little Richard? Was he following, or were they concurrent? The, it they may have been slightly right. concurrent, but but because but he's on tour with Little right. Richard, and I think the thing about Little Richard, well, before I say this, obviously there's all kinds of overlap between all of them. True, but I think Little Richard, who is sorry for cutting you off, amazingly still alive, eighty six years old. You know, I don't know how much abuse Little Richard has done to his body. I guess probably not a lot. Like I've, I don't. I, I, off the top of my head, I don't remember anything about drug abuse or alcohol abuse. I mean, I just don't remember. Me neither. Like when I think about Lil Richard, and certainly if there was any, he certainly has seemingly been clean for yeah. a long time. Yeah. I think for all of his theatrics, Little Richard's biggest contribution to rock music, soul music, whatever you want to call it. Mm-hmm. Is his musicianship okay? Like, like I think I think that, and 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 when I think about Frankie Lyman, it's the showmanship. I mean, obviously the musicianship is there. He did the songwriting, this, that, and the other. But I mean, the bottom line is, Little Richard ninety percent of the time was p- behind a piano. True. True. So. Sure. That actual dance—that's why I kind of go to Jackie Wilson. I mean, certainly if you go long enough, you got to bring James Brown into the conversation. Mm-hmm. But it's just that showmanship and that command of the stage. And the other thing that you get with Frankie Lyman that you don't get with Little Richard is 
you begin to get overt sexuality. Yes. Okay. You you know, again, he won always 13. <laughs> That's true. So you get that as well. And I don't know how much we think about Frankie Lyman in this conversation. That's you, true. You know, not, we, not a lot. Right. You know, we go to Jack. Everybody talks about Jackie Wilson. And, and you should. You probably, I mean, if you pick between Jackie Wilson and Frankie Lyman, you should probably pick Jackie Wilson. I would. But, you know, we, we talk about Jackie Wilson. We talk about Little Richard. We talk about James Brown. But I think Frankie Lyman has a place in there as well. And then you think about he he was he was one of the one of the acts during one of his comeback attempts that was overshadowed by the British invasion where he was I don't know if he was on Ed Sullivan I don't know if that hullabaloo performance kind of alluded to it but I think the Beatles show up yeah and kind of like that like, shuts everything like, down. like 10 minutes after and so you have all that as well so that I think it's a really interesting story so like I said I don't knock this film as you said this film was nothing other than what it advertised or what it said it was trying to be mm -hmm. but in a way I do have like a uh, because I know Frankie Lyman's only gonna get one movie yeah and like I would love an almost Ray treatment oh. of Frankie Lyman like I would actually like to see that it ain't gonna happen. Oh, I mean, of, of course it's not gonna happen. But but I would like to see because I do think his straight ahead story, if you're interested in this stuff, mm -hmm. is a really interesting, noteworthy story. So that's all. Just get all right. I had to get my music nerd thing out. All right, that's I'm, well, I'm finished. You finished? That's that's all. I, I just need to get that out. Would you recommend people see who I would Why the Fools? Absolutely recommend people see why do fools fall in love. so do i yeah absolutely i think you will have a fun time relive some 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 uh vintage vivica a fox yeah holly berry as you rarely get to see her yeah i, I mean what it, it's this it's baps am i am i finished Am I finished with, with Holly Berry well, in, in comedies? Where she is really part of the comedy. Yeah. Because I'm thinking of two other movies, Boomerang. Okay, but as we but said, she's she not really a, part of the comedy. Right, right. She has that one scene with David Allen Greer where she says goodbye. That's funny. Yeah. And then um, what's the movie with um, the boring dude from The Cosby Show? Um, oh, Strictly Business. But she's not funny in that at no, all. No, but I'm, but I'm saying that's a comedy. Right. Oh, no, I'm talking about her funny. No, so, yeah. I'm just saying, yeah, those are the yeah. two, two other comedies yeah. I can think of her being in, yeah. but she's not the funny in them. I mean, you know, she's not supposed to be the funny. Right, right. So, yeah, it's probably Baps, this... I don't, I don't... She's kind of funny in John Wick 3, but that's certainly not a comedy. Sure, sure. I can't think of anything else that she was... Uh, and she also gets to be serious. Like, like I think she has some really not the scene where she loses her house. Yeah, that's a real, that's a rough scene. I think man. that's and, and she man. sells it. And she sells it. If Frankie, 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 the, lucky he lived after that. Because yeah. if I was her, come home, oh. and my house is not padlocked. Oh, it's boarded up. Oh. My home for eighteen years, because oh. you know, you know, you, this was a woman who 
she was a little she was wise about the business right you right, know what right. i mean she had worked herself to to a point where up or down as i know i'm going to go in this business right. i've got my house i was about to say she probably bought her house bought it yep kept up with the taxes yep this platters thing like that's only gonna go so far mm-hmm. but i'd have bought my house yep keep up with the taxes yep what do you mean mess, I can't go home? Mess around with Frankie Lyman. Frankie Lyman. Because she told him, here's the money for the bills. And then she made a special note and paid a mortgage. Mm hmm. Yeah. Frankie smoked the house. <laughs> he smoked the house, mama. <laughs> Frankie. Got, got a special dance just for you. Frankie. <laughs> So, All right. Yeah. So yeah, I would recommend that. Yeah. Movie. Definitely go check it out, ladies and gentlemen. Um All right. Well, that's it. that's it. Before we tell you what we're going to be reviewing next week, ladies and gentlemen. It, it, I can't do that, can I, Vince? You're fine with me doing that. Before we do that, <laughs> we do uh, that. All the, yes. <laughs> no, you you sucked your teeth as if you. I thought you were maybe about no, to interject no, no, something. No, 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 no. So no, I want to make sure no, I didn't no, want to. No. Uh, we want to make you aware that we have. Um, we're doing something else, ladies and gentlemen. You know, we're going to be at the Blurred City Con in July. Well, in August, we're going to return to the Bryn Mawr Film Institute here in Philadelphia. Yes, sir. On Thursday, August 22nd, where we will be in a be doing a screening and a talkback for the 1990 drama To Sleep With Anger. Yeah. Danny Glover, Paul Butler, Devon Nixon, and Cheryl Lee Ralph and director Charles Burnett. Burnett, I want to call it like a black comedy, but I guess it's not really. What are you talking? There's not one single thing funny about the sleep with anger. I seem to remember laughing a little bit, and because Danny just tickles me in that. Are you sure you're thinking about um five on the black hand side? No, I'm thinking about the sleep with anger. No, it's not a comedy. Yeah. It's a it's a dark movie. <laughs> yeah. It's a very dark movie. But there's something about Danny Glover that. It tickles me in that movie because um, another guy who I think is having fun in that film we're going to be doing a screening and very special talk back to, uh, for To Sleep With Anger on Thursday August 22nd at the Bryn Mawr Film Institute ladies and gentlemen we're going to put a link in our Facebook group and there will also be a link available on MichelleMission.com where you can find out more information about getting tickets for that very special event. Promises to be a really good time. We're really looking forward to it. It's a great venue too. It's a great It's a great great, I love the Bryn Mawr Film House. Um, Let's see. What else? Oh. You can send all of your feedback to us via email. You okay over there? I'm working very hard. I'm tired. Um, the, 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 the bat base has been busy. You know, clients have been coming in and out. Get off the dope. I'm not, it's not dope. It's no hope and dope. No. No. They're just not. Um, <laughs> I'm so glad you co-signed that. Hello, kids. <laughs> this is Vincent Lynn from the Michelle Mission. And we just want to tell y'all, 
do your homework, listen to your parents, and there's no hope in dope. Good night. <laughs> I'm totally lost. <laughs> uh, send your feedback, ladies and gentlemen. We love getting your feedback. Email us at mishowmission at gmail.com. Michaud is spelled M-I-C-H-E-A-U-X. Like and follow us on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook at Mission. Join the Facebook group, Show Mission, where we have a lot of fun. As you can see, Vince, he, he is in there rapping with everybody left and right. Um, so get in on Get in on the conversation. Um, we have a great time there as well. Our show is available as part of the Podglomerate Podcast Network, Podglomerate Curated Podcast, just for your special listening pleasure. We're also available in an edited form as a radio show every Saturday at 1 p.m. on WPPM. 106.5 FM, Philly Cam, People Power Media here in the city of brotherly love and sisterly affection. And you can also wake up with the Show Mission every Monday morning at 9 a.m. on 91.7 FM WKDU, the voice of Drexel University. All right. Next week is my, it's my pick. It man. is your pick. It is. And... We've been we've been spending some time. We've been spending a lot of time in the two thousands, we have nineties. So I had to. I've, I've got to go into the way back machine. way back machine. All right, but I didn't go too way back. Okay, so I'm working my way back. From before, I used to go all the way back and work my way up. Yes. So now I'm going to go back and then work my way further, further back, further back. Okay. So I I fired up the way back machine to find a year that I would start my journey backwards at. Okay. And it landed on 1972. Oh, I do like the 70s. I know you love the 70s. And we are going to touch on an actor who has turned up more than a few times on the Michelle mission so far. Okay. But I believe that this is the first time that he is showing up in a starring vehicle as the lead. Okay. And that is one Thalmus Rosella. Oh, sookie, sookie now. You know I like that damn Thalmus Rosella. Well, then you will probably like this movie from MGM, the movie company that gave you Shaft. Ooh, are you about to He hit the man for $3 million right where it hurts. Ooh. In the Diamonds and baby, that's cold because it's a cool. We are doing breeze. cool breeze. Is Judy Pace in this? Is somebody real fun in this? It's uh, like Judy Thomas Rosala, Jim Watkins, Lincoln Kilpatrick, Raymond St. Jocks, and Judy Pace. There it is. There it is. <laughs> there it is. I could. Oh, my brown senses went off. <laughs> My brown, I said, whoa, cool breeze. And I said, da -da 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 -da. is that Judy Pace? <laughs> Her fine ass. Bruh. So, oh my God. 1972 Judy Pace? I was about to say, because Thomas Rosella played Rooster on that episode of Sanford and Son. Yes. Remember? But then remember, Judy Pace was trying to marry Lamont. Mm -hmm. And she was trying to get to Lamont through Grady. Yes. She sashay her fine self on the set. <laughs> Woo! 
you who you buried the lead. What you should have said was, we're gonna watch Cool Breeze starring Judy Pace and a bunch of dudes. <laughs> <laughs> We've not seen Judy Pace since Cotton Comes to Harlem. No, we have not. Right now. Like that. Off. Somewhere Ryan Sands is on an airplane <laughs> cleaning off his iPad. Uh, that's <laughs> all right. Tam Vince. That's all right. Judy Pace. <laughs> Judy Pace. I did not know I was going to get this reaction. Woo! But I should have guessed. Yes. So anyway, yeah, that's what we're reviewing next week. On all the right. Show mission. Cool breeze. Cool breeze. With Judy Pace and some other people. <laughs> Until then, ladies and gentlemen, he's Vince. I'm Len. In parting, we say. We'll see you when it's time to meet again. It's time to bid adieu. It's been a pleasure knowing you. I'll see you when it's time to meet again. <laughs>